Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I had an encounter two summers ago in the area called Kimball Bottoms, or as the locals call it, the desert. Anyway, I was down there at a drum circle they were having, and I don't know if it was the drumming that attracted this thing or what. I was facing the water and banks of the Missouri River, and it's still being light outside, around 7 p.m. in the summer. I could see everything clearly. I thought I saw a heat signature on the opposite bank, like heat rising off a hot parking lot in the summer. This stood out to me as I'd been staring in that area. Anyway, zoning out as I went into an almost trance-like state due to the drumming, I started seeing this thing move. I stopped drumming and walked over to the edge of the bank. The more I watched, the more I realized that this heat signature looked like it had arms and legs and was like swaying to the drumming still going on behind me. My friend came up and asked what I was looking at, and as I pointed it out to her, other people from the circle started to notice that we were pointing and staring at something across the river. More people stopped drumming and joined us at the bank. Some could see what we were seeing and others couldn't. 
Eventually, nobody was drumming anymore, and this glimmer man had stopped swaying and was watching us watch him. More than one person had mentioned that it looked like the invisible, yet visible, alien from the movie Predator. It was after maybe three minutes of watching this invisible being. And yes, many people tried taking pictures and video of it, only to not see anything when reviewing the images on their phones. Not surprising when you are trying to photograph a nearly invisible heat signature-looking thing. At one point, we could see this thing move back into the tall reeds and were surprised as the reeds parted. Those who didn't see the being couldn't help but see the reed part as it moved away. A few of us sat there for a good hour waiting to see if this invisible being came back, but we didn't see anything. However many people freaked themselves out by talking about where this entity could be, was it lurking in the water, walking along the shore, hiding in the trees, etc.? I have to agree they all had viable points. It was a very surreal encounter and only deepened my beliefs on things existing in the folds of what we call reality. I'd been a park ranger for years, patrolling the vast and untamed wilderness of Yosemite National Park. It's a place of breathtaking beauty and serenity, but it can also be a realm of mystery and the unknown. I've encountered my fair share of wildlife and odd occurrences. It started on a cool autumn evening. I was on my usual patrol, my footsteps echoing through the silent forest. The fading sunlight cast long shadows, adding an eerie ambience to the surroundings. As I ventured deeper into the wilderness, a sense of unease washed over me. Suddenly, I heard a voice, faint and distant, calling my name. I stopped in my tracks my heart pounding in my chest. Jackie, the voice whispered, a haunting echo that seemed to carry through the trees. It sounded just like my wife, Emily. I scanned the area, but there was no sign of her. Confused yet curious, I pressed forward, my senses on high alert. More voices joined the chorus, each mimicking the familiar tones of loved ones. My parents, my siblings, even my childhood friends. It was as if the forest had become a haunting choir, taunting me with its ethereal symphony. Each day, the torment continued, the voices grew stronger, more persuasive. They would call out to me, pleading for help, crying out in pain. At times they even mimicked my own voice, whispering dark secrets and hidden fears. I felt trapped in a macabre play orchestrated by an unseen puppeteer. The creature, the cryptid responsible for this torment, always remained elusive. Its presence felt but never seen. It reveled in its ability to mimic the voices that held significance in my life, using them as bait to lure me deeper into its clutches. I grew weary and haunted, my mind teetering on the edge of madness. Then, as abruptly as it had begun, the torment ceased. The voices vanished, swallowed by the silence of the woods. The creature had vanished, leaving no trace behind. I stood there, bewildered and shaken, wondering if it had all been a vivid nightmare or a twisted reality. Months have passed since that eerie encounter, but the memories still linger. I often find myself wandering back to that desolate wilderness area, searching for answers that may forever elude me. What was that cryptid? Why did it choose me as its target? And most importantly, what happened to my loved ones whose voices it had stolen?
as Sergeant James Odysseus Colton, leader of a Navy SEAL team, my life was defined by high-stakes missions and unimaginable pressure. But nothing could have prepared me for the horror that awaited us on a seemingly routine recovery operation in South America. Our mission was simple. Recover a stolen artifact from a dangerous cartel. We infiltrated their compound, neutralized the threat, and retrieved the artifact. An ancient green-tinted mirror with an intricate serpentine frame. Victorious! We began our return journey. It was then we realized the price of our mission. The mirror, when caught in the moonlight, awakened an ancient terror. The Gorgon, the monstrous creature with her hair of writhing serpents and eyes that turned men to stone, emerged from the mirror's depths. Our fellow soldiers caught by her gaze were petrified instantly. Their screams echoed in my ears as they became stone statues. It was a sight that would haunt me forever. With our numbers dwindling, I rallied the remaining men. We face an enemy like no other, I said, my voice steady despite the terror gnawing at my insides. But we're seals. We adapt, we overcome. We fought the Gorgon with everything we had. Bullets ricocheted off her scaled body. Grenades did nothing. It was the mirror, I realized. The artifact, it was our only chance. With a daring plan in mind, I ordered my men to distract the Gorgon while I maneuvered myself behind her. The mirror clutched tightly in my hands. The Gorgon, focused on my team, didn't notice my approach. With a deep breath, I thrust the mirror in front of her. Caught in her own gaze, the Gorgon stiffened. Her serpentine hair hissed and writhed before turning rigid. In moments, she was transformed into a monstrous stone statue. Our relief was short-lived as we took in the stone forms of our comrades. The victory was bitter, our losses too great. We had defeated the Gorgon, but at what cost? The artifact, we later discovered, had been part of a dangerous gambit by the cartel to unleash chaos and seize power amidst the confusion. Their plan backfired, but it was us who paid the price. As we left the battlefield, the stone forms of our brothers in arms, a stark reminder of the cost of our duty. I made a vow. We would honor our fallen, and we would continue to fight, no matter what horrors we faced. We were the SEALs, and we would never back down. Went to Table Rock View, Appalachian Trail, Dauphine, Pennsylvania. Yesterday, with some friends... We wandered a bit off the trail to look at an interestingly shaped rock, and me and another friend heard what sounded like a fox, but the noises were more like how an owl who, but a bit more high-pitched. So imagine if a fox screamed, but more relaxed, like an owl who, and it only happened three times, then stopped. One of my other friends just randomly started talking about how people who hike around the Appalachian Trail report hearing noises like children crying or a woman screaming, but it's a skinwalker trying to lure you further off the trail. I said, wait, didn't you just hear that? Kind of sounded like a high-pitched fox noise. That was when my one friend say, yeah, he heard it too, but my other friends didn't notice it. I was literally expecting to see someone, possibly younger kids walk up the trail, but no one else ever came during that time. What do y'all think?
I'd always loved my job as a park ranger. I enjoyed the peace and quiet of the wilderness, the sound of the birds, and the fresh air. However, my most recent adventure in the woods had been anything but peaceful. It all started when I received a call about a group of campers who'd gone missing in the woods. I immediately set out to search for them, knowing that the dense forest could be dangerous for those who didn't know the terrain. As I made my way through the woods, I noticed something unusual in the distance. It looked like a small town, but one that I had never seen before. I decided to investigate, hoping to find some clues as to where the missing campers might have gone. As I approached the town, I noticed that something was off. There were no signs of life, no movement, no sound. The town looked completely deserted. As I began to explore the town, I realized that it had been abandoned for years. The buildings were old and crumbling, the paint was faded, and the streets were overgrown with weeds. I wandered through the town, feeling a sense of unease. It was something about the place that made me feel like I was being watched. It was then that I heard a noise, a rustling in the bushes. I drew my weapon, ready for anything. But as I turned to face the source of the noise, I saw a group of campers emerging from the woods. Thank God we found you, one of them exclaimed. We've been lost in these woods for days. I breathed a sigh of relief, glad to have found the missing campers. But as I looked closer at their faces, I realized that something was wrong. They looked pale and frightened, as if they had seen something terrible. What happened to you? I asked. The campers hesitated before one of them spoke up. We stumbled upon this town, and we thought it was abandoned. But then we started to hear strange noises, and we saw things moving in the shadows. Something's hunting us, and it's getting closer with each passing moment. I knew that we had to leave the town immediately. We packed up our gear and set out, hoping to make it back to the safety of the park. As we made our way through the woods, I could feel the presence of something following us. It was like a predator, stalking its prey, waiting for the right moment to strike. We tried to move quickly, but the woods were thick and the terrain was treacherous. We stumbled and fell, struggling to keep up our pace. And then we heard it, a growling sound that chilled us to the bone. We turned to face the noise and saw a creature emerging from the shadows. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was tall and muscular, with sharp claws and teeth, and a fur-covered body that glinted in the moonlight. The campers screamed and ran in terror, but I stood my ground. I raised my weapon, aiming for the creature's heart. But as I fired, I realized that it was too late. The creature had already pounced on me, its claws tearing through my flesh. I fell to the ground, feeling my life slipping away. The last thing I heard was the screams of the campers as they fled into the night. When I woke up, I was in a hospital bed. The doctors told me that I had been found by a search party wandering through the woods in a state of delirium. I was with my friend. I'm going to call Bane, going through the woods. Now let me trace back a little. This was in this big forest that stretches for miles with an entrance around the block from where I used to live. I saw and heard all kinds of scary phenomena in that woods. One time I was walking through with Ben, and when you first get into the woods there's a path to the right that's blocked off by a fallen tree. If you go to the left, there's a little hill that goes down now. There's two paths to go. 
The one on the left leads to a forest with denser trees, and the one on the right has the same trees all the way through. If you go to the right, there's two more really long paths, probably about a three or four minute walk, but you can still see to the end, one on the left and on the right. The time before I heard a baby crying coming from the left, I didn't even get to go deep into the woods this time to be scared out. I thought I was tripping at first, I thought it was the tree, and my eyes were playing tricks on me. But I squinted my eyes and saw whatever this was was really moving, and the reason I thought it was a tree was because I could see through him. It was a man wearing a brown hooded cloak or robe. He was transparent, walking left to right faster than humanly possible. But it would only walk two or three feet before turning around and just doing it repeatedly. I ran out fast as heck, LOL. Anyways, about the Wahila, it's big giant white wolf, kinda like the Wendigo. It can shapeshift, but the white wolf is the main form. One time I went down the left path and out of nowhere from the right and I see a giant white wolf. It jumped out from a bush and made not a single noise, but this creature is said to kill. It hopped back into the bush and just disappeared. It didn't even scare me. Whatever this was gave me vibes of good like it was looking out for me or protecting me because I mean it didn't attack me. Except... My friend didn't see the same thing I saw. After we had run out, he told me he saw a giant white creature standing there on two legs. I told him what I saw, and he dismissed it telling me what he saw. So he saw two different things. Was it a Wahila, or do y'all think it could have been something else? What do y'all think the brown-robed man was? I need names for these cryptids or phenomena because I need some kind of explanation. Last Saturday, the 17th of December, at around midnight, on Industrial Arden. Near where I live in Moraw, Pennsylvania, my sister and son were driving back from dinner and shopping. They both saw a jet-black, upright, wolf-like creature the size of an outhouse, eight-plus feet tall, run across the road in front of them. My son said the moon was bright and three inches of snow were on the ground. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. 
ground. He said it looked human, black. He also states that it moved extremely fast as it ran across the road in front of them. This is a road located about one mile from Frackville, Pennsylvania, and nearly two miles from Mora, Pennsylvania. My son said that it howled. Thought you should know. As a seasoned hunter, I've heard countless tales and accounts from my peers, but none were as chilling as the one I discovered in the dense Amazon rainforest. I found a diary belonging to a fellow hunter, a man who met his end in an encounter with a creature of the shadows. Here is his story as he penned it. Day one. I've made it to the heart of the Amazon. I'm here not for the jaguars or the anacondas, but for something far more elusive. The locals speak in hushed whispers of a creature that melds with the shadows, a phantom that has claimed many lives. I intend to track it down to bring it to light. Day five. I've seen it. Just a glimpse, a flicker in the corner of my eye, but I know it was the creature. It was like a living shadow, fluid and quick. The jungle has become a game of cat and mouse, with me as the mouse. Day seven. The creature is not just elusive. It's deadly. I found the remains of Jaguar today, torn apart with a violence that made my blood run cold. I've hunted many predators, but this creature, it's something else. Day 10. I've realized that to survive, I need to outsmart the creature. I must use everything I know about the jungle, turn its traps against it. I've set snares and pitfalls, hoping to catch it off guard. Day 15. I can feel it closing in. The shadows seem darker, the silence more oppressive. I know it's watching, waiting, but I'm ready. If it's my fate to die in this jungle, I'll make sure I don't go down without a fight. That was the last entry in the diary. I found it next to a makeshift camp, the ground torn up and stained with old blood. The hunter didn't survive, but his story did. His words serve as a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in the shadows of the Amazon, and the creatures that are better left undiscovered. I was eight years old, living with my parents outside of Memphis, Tennessee, in the late 1950s. On this day, it was a warm summer evening. My parents were next door, talking to the neighbors. All the kids were running around and playing. The neighbors had a station wagon parked in their driveway, and the tailgate was down. I wasn't watching what I was doing, and while running, I tripped and went face. First into the tailgate. I split my lip all the way down from my nose through my lip. My upper lip was laid open, so I had to go to the hospital. I was terrified of needles and fighting the nurses as they tried to give me a local anesthetic before stitching me up. I was a strong little kid, so three nurses pinned me down, and I remember one nurse saying, We're going to play cowboys and Indians. We're going to tie you up. They strapped me down from head to toe. They gave me the shot in my lip, sewed me up, and I went home. After that, I began experiencing night terrors. I attributed that event of getting strapped down and my lip sewed up as the nexus of the night terrors. The nightmare was always consistent. I'm at my grandparents' house with all my cousins, like we always did, sleeping on a pallet on their living room floor on the old rug she had there. She'd lay a blanket down and put pillows out. I would lay there with a huge rock on my chest, and I can't move any part of my body. I can see up to the top of the rock, 
and over the rock pops a figure. The faces of a character in a TV series that was popular in the late 50s called Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. It is a creepy little character, a weird puppet with a snuggle tooth. The face is looking over the rock, and he's laughing at me. He's also talking to me, but I can't hear him. I know he's talking because his mouth is moving. Then I see a hand come over the top of the rock, then an arm, and then a shoulder. A figure pops its head up, and it's a figure with bony hands. This thing had a teardrop-shaped head, and it had big black almond-shaped eyes, just like the pictures you see of an alien gray. This was before anyone had ever described alien encounters or abductions. I see this thing look over the top of the rock, and it starts to come toward me. At that point, the dream stops, and I would wake up in a panic. The night terrors started to wane when I matured and became an adult. I got married, started raising a family, and I didn't have that dream for almost 50-something years. That was until this past year. One night, my wife had gone out of town. I was here at home with the dogs just working and relaxing. I'll read a book for a while, then I'll watch a TV show and go to bed. Well, that's what I did. That night, I had the same old nightmare return. I haven't had it for all those years. I wake up, but not in a night terror state. It's totally dark. No outside light coming through the windows. I started to think that I'm still asleep and dreaming. Then I see a figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom, and I see its arm up against the wall. I look at this thing, and I'm again wondering if I'm awake or if I'm dreaming. The next thing I remember, I'm walking through my house with a firearm, and I'm checking the house. The dogs are not alarmed at all and are asleep in their beds. I walk back to my bedroom, put the pistol away, and get back in the bed, and I fall asleep. It was probably the best night of sleep that I ever had. The nightmare I had experienced that night was exactly the same as I had those many years ago. Why I just had one more nightmare is a mystery because I have had no more since then. One quick note, a few days after this experience I was in my office working. I had the TV on. Then I heard someone mention Fran Allison, who was the woman from the Kukla, Fran and Ollie Show. I looked up, and there was the face of the ugly Ollie character from my nightmares. I didn't panic, but I quickly turned the TV off. My name is Sergeant Avery Thompson, and I led a small team of National Guard soldiers assigned to Grand Canyon National Park. Our mission was to protect park visitors from a mysterious entity wreaking havoc in the area. As we investigated, we learned of the local legend. The crawler, a grotesque creature said to haunt the park's woods. While some of us were skeptics, others couldn't shake the fear that something sinister lurked in the shadows. Isolated in the vast wilderness, we found ourselves in a constant state of unease. Our radios crackled with static, and the thick fog that rolled in each night seemed to choke our very senses. The fear was palpable, but we had a job to do. The tension reached its peak when we finally encountered the creature. Its twisted, elongated limbs and pale, hairless body were the stuff of nightmares. We engaged the monstrosity, our training pushing us through our terror. The battle was fierce, but in the end we managed to neutralize the abomination. 
We carefully transported the corpse to a government bio-facility, hoping that our ordeal was finally over. However, we soon realized that the truth would remain hidden. A group of stern government officials, likely Secret Service agents, ordered us to keep the incident a secret, warning us of severe consequences if we dared to speak out. The fear of the unknown was replaced by a different fear, the fear of what we had seen, and the knowledge that we could never share it. We left the park, our minds burdened with the truth about the crawler, and the secret that we were forced to carry for the rest of our lives. It was the time of our annual harvest festival in the village, the time when we came together to celebrate the bounty of the earth and the bonds of our community. Laughter filled the air, and the smell of delicious foods and the sounds of music and dance filled our hearts with joy. However, none of us could have anticipated the events that would soon unfold. During the height of the celebrations, an enigmatic stranger appeared in our midst. He was an odd figure with a gleam in his eyes and an aura of mystery that captivated us all. Claiming to possess supernatural powers, he challenged the villagers to a game, promising to grant us extraordinary gifts if we could best him. Intrigued by the stranger's words, we eagerly accepted his challenge, unaware of the true nature of our opponent. As the game began, we soon discovered that the stranger was no ordinary man, but rather a cryptid known as the Trickster, a shape-shifting being that thrived on chaos and mischief. With each passing moment, the Trickster used his paranormal abilities to manipulate the villagers, turning us against one another and pushing our community to the brink of destruction. Friend turned against friend, and the bonds that had united us for generations began to unravel. In the midst of the chaos, our village's wise elder recognized the danger we were facing. She knew that the only way to save our community from ruin was to outwit the trickster and put an end to his malicious game. Drawing upon her knowledge of ancient lore and her own deep wisdom, she devised a plan to confront the cryptid and expose his true nature. The elder gathered the remaining villagers and shared her plan. We listened intently, understanding the gravity of the situation and the importance of unity in the face of the trickster's deceptions. With renewed determination, we followed the elder's guidance and played the game using our wits and our trust in one another to resist the trickster's manipulations. Despite our best efforts, however, the trickster's power was too great. He wiped out the majority of our people, leaving only a small group of us standing. Realizing that he could no longer deceive us or sow chaos among us, the cryptid fled, vanishing into the shadows from which he had emerged, never to be found again. In the aftermath of the devastation, those of us who remained came together to rebuild our village and heal the wounds of the past. We mourned the loss of our loved ones and vowed to honor their memories by preserving the lessons we had learned. The story of the trickster would be passed down through the generations. A cautionary tale of the dangers of hubris and the importance of unity in the face of adversity. And though our village would never be the same, we held on to the hope that together we could face whatever challenges the future might hold. I'm currently 30, but was about 17 at this time. I was at a friend's house, two brothers. For the second or third time, deep country. Hung out into the evening and night. The older one in my grade 
randomly brings up some bright light that shines around that isolated area. I didn't think much of it, but they seem to be down for a little night adventure. We decided to roll a blunt and go sit out in some pasture or field. We sat around, talked, looked at the stars. I didn't even remember what they were talking about earlier. Suddenly, everything I could see lit up like day for a fraction of a second. It was as if a digital camera, three miles wide, was hovering above us and just snapped a picture with the flash on. I remember seeing the hills in the distance, trees and cows here and there. It was over as soon as it started and we all looked at each other, confused. Our expressions all lead to the same reaction and all of us run. We sprinted through pastures and helped each other through barbed wire fences, just scared. According to the two brothers, this was not a rare occurrence in Milheim, Texas. We're not friends anymore, in case anyone wonders why I used that context. I don't have a single clue as to what this was, just that it happened. Freaked me out and blew my mind. Had me feeling like a bacterium in a petri dish for a moment. I've never heard of anything even somewhat related to this. It seems coincidental that I saw it the same day I was told about it, but that's how it happened. And no, I'm not talking about a spark or light bulb. It was literally like clear daylight for about two, four seconds. Clear skies, looking at the stars all night, no lightning or thunder. There was no sound to it. In a small town of Crossland, Kentucky humble people live simple lives and farm and sell goods to the bigger neighboring Purier, Tennessee and Murray, Kentucky respectively. In the early 1960s, a man named Larry Orr stumbled upon the snake. Unlike anything common to the area, it was 65 feet long by length and 6 feet by width. In his words, well, I had thought it was a moonshine still until it hissed at me. A sketch of the beast was drawn by his nephew perfectly to his description. It was emerald green with irregular brown splotches on its back and underbelly. Branching off from other snake species, it had a row of human-like teeth and fangs where its insecores would be. Small spikes lined across its back and head and ended off with a crest between its eyes. As the story spread, journalists from around the United States flocked to get a glimpse of the creature that scared the residents of Crossland. Hunters and trackers also attempted to catch the creature to no avail. In 1977, a expert snake hunter finally caught the beast, but was revealed as a fake as the snake was less than half the size and actually from a circus which was in the area at the time. During the era of the snake, Livestock and pets mysteriously disappeared with the only remaining evidence were bells, collars, and blood. The early 80s proved the end of the snake overturn as residents of Crossland, now part of Purier, Tennessee, see part one, and their town have faded into obscurity. Before I end this off, this is 100% true. Crossland, Tennessee exists and evidence of the snake hunt can be in many local newspapers from that time and region of the Tennessee's and Kentucky state line. As many wonder on about the past terror of a monstrous snake, could it happen again in those deep, dense cornfields, the dark, dreary woods of the night or the muddy, murky waters of the creeks and marsh? One thing is for sure, snake season is spring. 